We're Eternals. For 7,000 years, we protected humans from the demons. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere. Until now. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. We're back with the much-awaited film, Eternals. Yeah, finally. Got to go see another one in theaters, which we were very excited about. Of course, you know us. We had to go on Thursday. Preview night. You know, we were at a bar beforehand, and we kept seeing ads for it, and it's like Eternals in theaters on Fridays. And I'm still kind of shocked that that's still the... The tagline. I'm like, I haven't seen a Marvel movie on a Friday in four years. Either way, we saw it. We did see it. And if you've been keeping up at all, you've heard the buzz, you know, whether it's people talking about how the film has been banned in several countries in the Middle East, or maybe how it is, at least at the moment, the first MCU movie to be rated rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty wild. Like it's been it's been a journey, I feel like. Audience rotten or critic? Critic. It has a higher audience score than critic. Um, Yikes. I'm actually going to check where it is now. But that's the, too bad. It is too bad. I don't feel like that's fair. I I don't think it is either. It's definitely but, not one of my favorite yeah. Marvel movies, but I liked it. It's kind of surprising, right? Yeah, it has a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is crazy. 87, low. though, by Audi, or 81. 81. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. This is, like a, this is like a DC cinematic universe disparity. There's a lot to talk about, obviously, um, but I think I can speak for both of us and say that we really enjoyed this, and... You know, I feel like whether it's similar to other MCU projects or not is kind of irrelevant to that, to it being a good movie or not. Yeah, what what I came out thinking was, this is very different than anything we've seen before. Um, it, to me, like, not having rewatched it, but just kind of guessing how I am about movies, it's probably not a high rewatchability movie. Um, and part of that is because, like, there are some, like, twists in the movie, so, like, it just feels less, you know, it doesn't have the same impact rewatching it, but, um, I mean, there are other Marvel movies that I don't find have, like, a high rewatchability. Sure. Like, Captain Marvel, like, I really enjoyed it in theaters, but, like, it's not a movie I'm gonna, like, just put on. One and done type deal. I want to watch, like, the more fun ones yeah. over and over again, and this was certainly not, like, a fun movie. It had very like Rogue One energy if you saw Rogue One where it's kind of um a nihilistic I guess yeah um even though like everything... the ending of this is a little bit happier than the ending of Rogue One it's still thank god it ends on a big old bummer though it does like the whole I... dynamic of that family is broken yeah it's pretty shocked in multiple ways how would you think about people describing this to a DC movie? Because I've, I've heard that before. Hmm. Whether it's the way that it's shot. It is shot kind of like a DC... It's slower paced yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Or like the... I, you know, I don't know if it's as much as that. Or like 
just the scale of it or the way the characters are approached. One thing that, you know, I kind of go back and forth because I've seen this not really being used to disparage the movie or anything. It's just a comparison. There's a scene early, like, at the beginning of the movie when we have, like, the kind of opening credits crawl, which I like because I don't think any MCU movie has done that before. Yeah. And the Eternals are, like, on a beach, like way early on like primitive human civilization and they like walk up and they're fighting a deviant and everyone is kind of you know looking at them like they can't even comprehend what they're seeing and then Ajak Salma Hayek's character gives one of the humans a knife and we later see that knife at a museum yeah something about that like I feel like they deal with this theme in Man of Steel and such like the characters in that universe see superheroes as like gods to be worshipped almost like there's a lot of them being uplifted like you mean the other like avengers like, no i'm mean? talking about like in the dc universe mm-hmm. like superman is kind of heralded as like this like other literally otherworldly hero that people like worship and they're like building monuments to him right mm-hmm. we don't really see that in the mcu like, these people are kind of, like, among the people. Like, they're famous, but they're not, like, being heralded as, like, you know, like, I mean, global Captain saviors. America kind of is. A bit. But that's, like, that still seems even different to me because, like, Superman stuff and Wonder Woman, that seems like a global, like, almost worship for these characters. Well, I guess part of the plot of Marvel is, like, this, do we want them, do we not want them? Right. Where are we at on vigilantes? And yeah, I guess what yeah. you're saying is, like, DC doesn't, with it. A little bit with Batman, but, like... They do that. And even, like, Superman had that in Batman v Superman. But it's just, like, how they choose to um, represent, like, them being received by the populace. It seems like these people are on, like, another level, which they are, compared to all the other heroes that we've met in the MCU before. And I feel like that's intentional, to be, like, these are not, like, your average superhero. These are... They transcend that idea. Well, they're also in hiding, right. essentially. Yeah. So there isn't, like, a public relationship to them. Mm-hmm. Which I had a question about that. Are they trying to keep themselves a secret? Do they not really care? Like, what is their kind of stance on secrecy and being in hiding? Because they use their powers, like, openly. Like, I know it's kind of, like, in crisis when we see them. But, like, also in the past, like, they're not hiding the fact that they're doing this. I don't think that they try to hide it and they become part of like legend like greek legend it seems like in the past they've used them and when you know if they're telling their story to people and they're they're not hiding what they can do but i guess it's like in the past couple hundred or thousand years they haven't really been in situations where people are like seven thousand years right like we don't yeah they don't it's all legend and i think if they were to like emerge again they're they wouldn't try to keep it a secret i think they would be like yeah like, this is who we are. We're here. Yeah. We've always been here. Like, look in your history books. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is different, I guess. Because they don't need to. They don't need to hide. You know, besides the deviants, like there's nothing that can really. You know, they don't have like families that could be threatened by villains or. Well, it, that's not true. <laughs> well, not yeah. There, there is, but not in the same way that like Spider-Man needs to hide his identity or. 
Tony Stark shouldn't give out his home address. Yeah, but it's not even that they're, like, necessarily, like, in physical danger. It's more, like, what will, like, a public outcry look like? And could that... Especially, like, in a modern age of, like, media, which when they were most active, there wasn't media in the same sense. Yeah. Um, It was literally, like, word of mouth, which is why it became, like, legend. Like, I would... It would be interesting to know, like, how they would play with that. Not in the Marvel context, I guess, because, like, we're already familiar with, like, fucking Thor. So, like... It would People be don't care anymore. Yeah, it's... you couldn't do that. But if they just introduced the story, like, in its own universe, like, how that would work, I guess, would be interesting. Yeah. Um, because obviously, like... I mean, I guess that's a little bit the Superman story, like what you're saying. Right. And these guys have been captured, like, on video because Fastos' son is like, hey, you're Superman, which is funny. Yeah, right. that was funny. And he's like, I saw you in the video flying around. And he's like, And he's right. got the laser he's just, eyes. He wears the same gray T-shirt the entire movie and just, like, Icarus, I mean, um, and just, like, shows up, like, on the street. Like, I, they're, not, they're not sneaking around. And uh, something that would have been interesting if they hadn't kind of abandoned the plot line was the uh, Sokovia Accords are still around, presumably. Maybe they ditched them after the snap. We don't know because they haven't really mentioned it, except in one of the shows I think it came up. I think they ditched it after they were like, fuck this, we're in an Infinity War. <laughs> I think it came up in one of the shows, though, in kind of like a, they somewhat acknowledged it. That would be... But as soon as like Iron Man broke it, it was like, that was it, I feel like. Yeah, but it's been mentioned, I'm trying to say it's been mentioned since then. But, like, no one's really talking about it. Like, I think it was in WandaVision. They were, like, something about... Well, I mean, it's Someone violated the Sokovia... Black or, Widow. Or, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But, like, in the current timeline, someone talked about it. And how would that apply to the Eternals? <laughs> because they would certainly not abide by that. What's the same thing with, like, Thor? Like, he's not part of that. Like, he's not a citizen of the Earth. <laughs> like... But I would think that if they had kept to that... This that could have been a problem. They'd be like, "Sir, Mr. Odinson, you cannot come to our world and start uh, like they treat him as a threat." Stuff, yeah, yeah. I that's what I'm saying. I feel like the world would treat them like a threat, and even though they can like take care of themselves, like they'd be forced into hiding, basically. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't think we'll ever see that because I think they're done with that chapter of the Marvel universe. Did you have some other like? big overall thoughts before we kind of break down let's see oh well i my first and foremost note is that this is a visually stunning and beautiful film uh i think it blows every other mcu well, yeah because they the got water. academy was, award-winning chloe zauer yeah I and i don't i don't know who the cinematographer was on this but they did a great job and like shooting on location. I still think it's funny because I think Chloe Zhao blew Kevin Feige's mind by being like, hey, we can actually like go to a beach if we want to shoot a scene on the beach. And he was like, I was there and like seeing like all this natural light. And I'm like, you know, this is how they used to do it, Kev. I know. I It made me like sad for like all of the other very curated movies that we've gotten lately, like where it's just all in front of green screen. Right. Um, and, which makes sense, but some of the stuff didn't need to be in front of green screen. Like, they could do more, like, Endgame, when they're all, like, 
like on that landscape of Wakanda. Like I don't know how much of that is actually filmed in like a landscape like that. Probably not a lot. Because they could if they wanted to. I think the the one that bothers me a lot, even though it like really doesn't matter, was the scene where um, in Black Widow where they're at the bar talking to each other, all green screen. Which bar? It's a uh, Natasha and Elena like at a bar talking, and they're just like drinking with each other. Like they're they're like, like sitting outside in a street. Yeah. Not oh. not one piece of that is real. And I'm like, why? Like I get it. Like they're like, why would we go to a street and like set it up for this and block traffic if we could just use a green screen? But like we have to stay within the bounds of Atlanta. It's just so much. It's so noticeable in this, and it's so gorgeous, and it's like they they have this the CGI. I also felt was like kind of understated. Not for the deviants, but for the powers. And except for, like, Icarus. Except for, well, yeah, yeah, Icarus is a little flashy. But for everybody else, they have these like the golden, shield, like, yeah. auras, and it helped it make it, like... Yeah, because it was outside. It wasn't touching them. It was, like, almost, like, holographic. Right. So, like, it made sense that they could just kind of put that on top of them, and they could still do, like, hand motions and stuff. Because these are really comic booky powers that these guys yeah. have. Like, more than what we normally see. And I think the way that that was handled made it a bit more believable. It's kind of like Scarlet Witch, but, like, better. It'd be like if Scarlet Witch didn't have things coming out of her hands and it was around her hands. Yeah. Because then it wouldn't look as weird for her to do all those, like, hand motions. Because, like, that's basically what they're doing mm-hmm. is, like, especially when um, Fastos, like, is building things with his hands. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you're totally right that it was, that was done really well. I didn't like the, the stuff coming out of the eyes. I didn't think that looked very good. That's hard to do. Yeah, I don't I don't envy that. And, like, it's so cliche because of Superman. So it, I, it is what it is, kind of. I think Icarus was the roughest looking because his flying looked weird. His flying looked really weird. And I didn't know if that's just, like... Yeah. Because I, they were doing it. I don't know if it was because of that. Like, the superimposing... Some people have noted, you know, he didn't have a cape or anything, so there's no, like, sense of motion. It just kind of right. looks like he's, he's floating just kind around, of standing. Which he is. But everybody else in the MCU that flies, Iron Man leaves, like, a jet stream. Wow. Captain Marvel has, like, an energy thing that goes behind her. Yeah. So. Like, it made sense for his power. Like, it is, like, how he works, but, like, he's not even moving his arms. Like, his arms are at his side. It was yeah. just very odd. The only other thing that I'll say, like, as an overarching bit, is, obviously, a lot of characters being introduced, like, not just the Eternals, but, like, all of the lore and the other individuals surrounding them, and that came with a lot of ups and downs, but goddamn if it wasn't ambitious to put all of these introductions in the same movie. Yeah, and I think because of that, like, a couple of the characters didn't get enough... Development? Yeah, like... Makari, looking at you, Makari. Is that the fast yeah. one? Yeah. She, yeah, we, that was the one I was thinking about of. Her, yeah. Which is a shame. And, um, you know, I love Kit Harrington, and I liked him in this. Don't know if it was necessary to have him in it at all. It was, I guess they're, like, setting him up, but, like, it was felt a little shoehorned in. We don't see him for so much of the movie. I'm like, why is he here? Yeah, like, and I didn't feel that strongly about their relationship because, like, we were kind of told, like... Why do we care about this relationship? Right. Kind um, of a... I, I was questioning why, but I guess they had to balance setting up future movies, but, you know. I feel like 
this movie was very specifically targeted at the climate crisis. It was like, this is a movie about climate change <laughs> in some ways. The population reaching a breaking point. Yes, and, and it being like on fire. Interesting. And like that, they even like say it outright that the reason, or I don't know. Yeah, that's what um, Icarus says is like these deviants like are coming out of the ground because the glaciers are thawing. Yeah. But they're saying that the glaciers are thawing because, because the, the emergence. The emergence is about to happen, but I think. And I'm not, like, probably the only one. Like, I don't think this is a big leap to say, like, I think it was just an allegory for climate change. Yeah, I think you're on the money. I hadn't really thought about it, though, but totally. And then, like, their plot was like, well, we'll just fix it by, like, refreezing the Earth. Like, don't worry, humans. You don't have to to change your behavior at all. (laughs) Like, it felt too much of a fix. You guys are off the hook. And, And somebody even says that, I think. Oh, I forget which character, but they're like, they're destroying it on their own. Yeah. The Earth. They say that line. I feel like it's that. Fastos? No, I think it's, uh, what's the one that like left the group? The one that can control like emotions? Oh, um, Druig? Druig says it. Because he's like in the Amazon, so he's like seeing it firsthand. Yeah. Um, well, so speaking of Kit Harrington, so Kit and, um, Richard Madden Madden both Game of Thrones characters or the two characters that say Cersei the most I love you and they're both Game of Thrones characters who are Cersei's smart enemies and I don't know if everyone else was uncomfortable or not oh I feel like anyone that watched Game of Thrones would be I'm just imagining Richard Madden and Kit Harrington having to be like I have to say what and then just like in their trailer, getting it out of their system and forgetting all of the stuff that they did for the past. I know they've had a two-year break, but, you know, I think they must have started filming this pretty soon after Game of Thrones ended, obviously. Well, Richard, Richard Madden's been out of the game a while. Around, so more also, he's narrative. saying it in his, like, natural accent, so it sounds a little different. Cersei. Cersei, yeah. Cersei. <laughs> I did have... I also had a question about that, actually, that kind of dovetails. So... They're all different races, which is cool. And, like, they all are using, like, their natural accent if they have... Well, they all have an accent. But, like, they're using, like, right. their natural accent. And I was, like, is there, like, a like a story reason for this? Or were they just kind of, like, no, we just want to, like, show a diverse group in this movie? Like, I, I don't know. I just was wondering about that. Because, like, you can make an argument that, like... What's the god's name? Ersham. Ersham, like, like that was part of them, like, assimilating into the culture. But, like, when they first get there, they are already, like, evolved into the races and stuff that will develop over time. So, I don't know. I mean, it's not, like, a problem. I was no, just wondering if a, there could be, like, a logical I doubt there's a lore reason. Maybe Ersham is just a creative guy. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. Um, well, and I, I, it was funny to hear them all have different accents. So that, that was probably the most, um, disconcerting part. Cause I was like, why do you all sound different? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, this was just kind of a open-ended opportunity to have a diverse cast because they weren't tied down by anything. So they were like, 
yeah, there's no reason for us to not do this. Yeah. So, glad they took advantage, for sure. Oh, for sure. But, yeah, the accents thing was odd. And then, like, Angelina Jolie, like, was also doing, like, a weird thing. Like, she was like, I don't feel like that's her natural speaking voice. No. She almost sounded, like, half British. Yeah, I don't know what that was all about. Or what she was going for, really. Her character was surprising, and I didn't really like what they did with it. Yeah, no, I, I had a lot of thoughts on that. But... I- Maybe we'll... I had a note to, like, break down each character individually, but I didn't know if there was more stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if we need to, like... There's a lot that happens, so I don't know if we need to go through every single thing. Yeah, I guess all of my notes are kind of general. Um, which is fine, I think. Anyone that's listening to this... Just sorry. I would hope so. And if you haven't, what are you doing? We're 20 minutes in. We're get spoiling it for you. Get out now. Uh, I enjoyed all the flashbacks. Because I thought, and I was saying this to you right before we went in to see it, that when it was first announced, when you first explained the concept to me, I thought that the whole movie was going to be a prequel to our current day Avengers. Like, I didn't really know what time, but I just know that there was that scene in the trailer where it looks like they're in a an earlier time sitting around the dinner table. Right. Like, that doesn't feel like current day, but then they say, like, I could leave the Avengers or something like that, but it felt very like prehistoric, I guess. And so I thought that the whole movie was going to be that, but I'm glad that they incorporated a lot of flashbacks and it was a good way for them to show the characters like personalities, I guess. Right. Through that. Also, that scene was way better in the movie than it was in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I very it was kinda, different. I thought it was kind of lame in the trailer just to like remind people that it's MCU. Yeah. In the movie, Way better. It felt more natural. Yeah. And I also thought that the movie was going to be more of a love story, and that was really disappointing, what we got instead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Good Lord. Uh, the best relationship in this movie was between uh, Makari and Druig, and it wasn't even the one that they talked no, about. No, I think it was um, Dina and... Dina and Gilgamesh? Yeah, even though they weren't, like... Romantic. Yeah, I liked them too, but I, theirs I just, was the best like actual love story. I, I just thought Makari and Druig had like a lot of chemistry, despite not really having oh, that. Oh, for sure. Story. I think they had more chemistry than Cersei and Icarus did, because I felt like for Cersei and Icarus, we were kind of being told like yeah, they I love didn't each other, feel that. but I wasn't I wasn't vibing with it as much. I didn't mind it terribly, but also like. I didn't buy that they had been married for thousands of years. There, the trailer made it seem like more romantic. Like I was more romanticized by their relationship in the trailer than I was in the movie, and that was even before we got like you know what actually happened. Right. Like early on, I was like, I mean, I'm always rooting for like a love story, so I was like rooting for them, but I didn't. It's not what I was expecting from that. Yeah. Like I thought that that was gonna be the nothing's fucking with this relationship and like that's kind of stable with everything else that's going on and like the way that's introduced from the very beginning is that they're not together because he left question mark reasons and I was like oh this is not what I was anticipating which I think that was good on the trailer but like I kind of wish that they hadn't done that I guess yeah but then like that was obviously the whole crux of the film was that he double crossed or or they all double crossed him i don't know however you want to look at it it was a mess 
Can we talk about the deviance? Sure. I, one, when I saw the trailer at first, I was not sold on the design of the deviance. I was like... Were there deviants in the trailer? I don't there's one. Yeah, there's part the, of that. They the one like early on, like in the beginning when they fight on the beach with like the primitive humans. That was in the trailer, and I was like, I don't know if I like this design. It's kind of like a, a Stranger Things looking monster. It was very Stranger Things. Came around on it, but I still think I like the fight scenes against the deviants. I like their kind of whole thing where they were also created by Arishem and what have you, and they're fighting for survival. I did think something was missing because as the plot got more and more about the emergence, it felt like the deviants fell by the wayside and it felt like there was going to be something at the end where like one of them has like a change of heart and they're like, no, like we like, we need to stop like killing each other. Something like that. I don't know. It felt like they were like close to having some sort of um, like big moment with the deviant plot. And then it just, didn't happen and it was just like another fight scene well i lost the thread of the deviant so i they kind they do explain it but i like didn't follow it so when earth first formed erishim put deviants on that planet to they wanted to kill erishim wanted to get rid of any apex predator so, like, he wanted to get rid of, like, dinosaurs so humans could flourish without, like, the threat of being killed all the time. And then they got too strong, and they became the apex predator, and we're going to go after humans. So then that's why they needed Eternals. Yep. I guess. Like, and then it was just, like, then they have, like, this whole conscience of the deviance, which sounds way too similar to variants. Deviance variants, too confusing for me personally. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the deviants create get this like conscience because they ate what's her name? Sama Hayek's character, Ajax. Ajax. So then they can now sense They can heal. Yes, but that that was also when they developed this conscience. Right. And then why. now they're like, Why are you killing us? Like, we're just trying to live our life. And I'm like, but why like why you know why are we creating personalities for them if like the whole thing was just gonna be a distraction and like ultimately kill them all yeah it just i get what they were doing it's like oh this is like who we think the enemy is but then it's like actually like a bigger enemy like that's a classic superhero trope yeah but like don't bother with like the talking and like the or or what you're saying go all in on that it was just... I don't know. It was good to start, and then it ended up feeling half-baked. This movie was way too packed to be juggling trying to stop the Celestial and also, like, this kind of threat of the Deviants. I just, like, wasn't sold on it. They didn't... Obviously... The like, they should have kept them as, like, a flashback thing. Yeah, I would have preferred that. It just didn't seem... Something was off. I can't... I don't think, no matter how much I think about it, I just, something was not done right. It needed, like, more time to, like, come up with, like, a better way to end the plot with them or something. Like, they needed a current threat, I guess. Because they couldn't just fight nobody when they're trying to stop the Celestial. But they're fighting Icarus. 
I feel like they could have had more internal conflict, like with Druig and stuff like that, to be the distraction. Like them all coming together was causing more problems, and there was like more inner fighting. I guess even though I wouldn't have liked to see that, I think that could have been a more natural conflict. Yeah, I agree. More civil war in general. And I think I was saying this during Cheng Cheng Chi's episode about how the concept is so big. Like this man has been living for. Basically an eternity, similar to internals. Yeah. And so they had to kind of make the conflict about their family. And I was, I think I said that they were going to do the opposite in eternals. But I think what I meant to say is like, they'll do something similar where this is such a broad concept. And like, there's, it's so big, like eternals is so big that they had to kind of bring the conflict in smaller. And so I think they did a good job with that. Like where obviously there was this internal struggle between are we doing like our sole purpose, which is to serve Arishim, or are we serving this planet that we've been connected to for 10,000 years or whatever? Right. Which is obviously like a big would you rather, but like then it just created a conflict between them as, as people. Yeah. And I really bought like how, you know, Ajak knew the true nature of what they were doing, but was going about it like, you know, she was keeping her head up and kind of making sure everyone still had morale to continue. And then I found it very believable that, like, when they start to go their separate ways, like, Druig has been, like, crushed under the weight of knowing that he could stop every tragedy and war that's happened, but they're just not supposed to because some space god said don't do it. So he has to watch them all suffer. And he's being told that that's okay because that's what we're put here to do. Like it's like let them learn, right? But it's like which is true, like, and he learns that lesson himself. Like, I can't just right stop everything because they're not gonna, they won't have conflict resolution skills <laughs> if I stop it. But. but also, like, I like you know, you watch that for like not even thousands, like hundreds of years, decades even, and you're like, oh my god, like this is brutal. Like, I yeah. can stop this. Like, why am I not stopping this? Even though, like, I think he knows that they're right, that you can't just, you know, make it go away. He was just kind of an asshole about it. Oh, he's a huge asshole about it. But I really liked his character. Like, for somebody that, like, wants peace, like, he's not a peaceful person. <laughs> like, no. it was kind of an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. He his... felt like the Flash character. He looks, they I look guess, similar, like that. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking that. I'm not going to try to pronounce this guy's last name. It's like Kyogen or something. I didn't I, know if I knew him from something. I don't think I've seen anything with him in it. He was in Dunkirk. He, he looks a in, lot like Ezra Miller. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Killing of a Sacred Deer. He kind of just plays like weird, like kids. More often than not, or like teenagers. <laughs> he, yeah, it says, I was just going to say he also looks like Credence in the Harry Potter movie, but that's also Sir Miller, he just looks like Ezra Miller to me. <laughs> <laughs> he looks more like Credence than the Flash. Yeah, so do we want to break down each character and also like the lore of their names? Because I think that's important and fun. Yeah. So I think for the rest of this, uh, you know, normally we like to go through and talk about the movie scene by scene, but this time with such a new colorful cast of characters, we'll go through and talk about each character and you know, as we go through, that'll definitely give us a avenue to talk about pretty much everything that happens. So let's start with arguably the main character? Cersei. Cersei. 
played notably by Gemma Chan, Gemma Chan, Gemma, for sure, Gemma. Uh, who already played another character in Captain Marvel, but she what? was painted blue and died, so we're all good. I didn't know that. Yeah. Or, I think you told me that, but. She had a pretty bit part. She was on um, Cree team, led by, what's his name? Led by young Dumbledore. Jude Law? Jude Law, <laughs> yes. Okay, so what is Cersei in, like, Greek mythology or whatever? All right, so for Cersei, the spellings are all over the place. Yeah. Wikipedia tells me Cersei, and they spell it C-I-R-C-E, is an enchantress and a minor goddess in Greek mythology. She was renowned for her vast knowledge of potions and herbs. Through the use of these and a magic wand or staff, she would transform her enemies, or those who offended her, into animals. So has the power of transformation. Yes. And as we see in the movie, uh, she has a lot of different ways that she can transform stuff, whether it's turning a bus into flowers. And I was worried about the people on that bus. I was very But it was just the driver and he was fine. She can transform like natural elements into other natural elements so like the metal in the bus transformed into yeah. the i don't think she can like create but she no. can pretty much turn anything into anything else no. she can turn a celestial into marble she can turn a deviant into a tree was it marble i thought it was like it's, ice. it's a marble according to wikipedia i'm gonna trust them on this i thought it was ice too but yeah, they were like, how did you do that? She's like, I don't know. But, like, are we coming back to that? That felt like something was going to come back for the final battle, and then they yeah. forgot. <laughs> that was very weird. Like, I guess it's just like, oh, she's more powerful than we think. But, like, okay. Kind of a weird way to show it, right? Yes. Like, you turn it into a tree that, I mean, I know it's a deviant, but, like, Looking at it, I'm not visually stunned by what you've accomplished here. I mean, I was, but I thought it was going to be important for something else. There's a interesting story about her falling in love with the sea god Glacius, and Glacius falls in love with somebody else, and in revenge, Cersei poisons the water where her rival bathed and turned her into a dreadful monster. Yikes. And when she turned that deviant into a tree, they were underwater. I did note that. You know, I, I will look up these characters, but I, I wonder when the original ones were created for the comics, how much they were really abiding by the uh, mythology where these characters kind of came from or were at least inspired by. I also think it's um, important to know which of these characters like kind of embraced the world and who didn't and like what their motivations ended up being so Cersei like fully embraced earth and the people especially like was very much one of the people like they show her early on like teaching them how to like plant and like yeah she cared about them yeah and clearly cares about like the earth itself um and assimilates is like dating when we see her which is like kind of interesting like and i think some of the other ones struggle to understand why you would date someone that is going to die in in an eternal's lifespan a like second yeah. nothing yeah she has a cell phone which she is addicted to um and her motivation is to care for the people right of Earth. yeah she definitely has the most intimate connection to the planet 
and its people. And she falls in love with the least connected person. Yeah. What does she see in Icarus just because he's like the strong one? I don't know. I don't know. Like whether he, I guess he was like maybe supposed to be presented as like more like sensitive, but like we see him loving her. I think that showed really well in the flashbacks especially. Yeah. But they don't I feel like they don't show her falling in love with him. I agree. They see her being heartbroken after he leaves, which it again feels like accurate, but I don't I don't feel like that flashback showed her falling for him. No. I guess. I agree. It feels kind of one-sided. Because we we get so much characterization with Cersei. We don't get so much of Icarus's until we intentionally, kind of, I guess. Right. Well, do we want to talk a little bit about Icarus next? Yeah. So we know Icarus flew too close to the sun, and they kind of hit that on the nose at the end there when he literally flies into the sun. And they had already mentioned it before. Well, yeah, they like were as telling a joke. about it, and they were like, "Well, that was a story that we made up like back in the day." Yeah. Do you think he knew that? And he was like, "Well." I think it was Maybe he just the only thing else powerful would... enough. Yeah. I'm sad about that, you know. I hope he's not actually dead, because I like Richard Madden. There's not a lot of coming back from what he did. I think if they had wanted to do so for the character, they probably could have had some redemption for Icarus. But at the end of the day, the only thing he couldn't bring himself to do was kill his ex-boo. And that doesn't really atone for the fact that he directly killed one Eternal, was mostly responsible for the death of another Eternal, and was fully prepared to kill all the other ones if he needed to. And I, I think he knew that. Like, that he couldn't allow himself to live with what he had done. Yeah, and I also feel like he couldn't allow himself to live with failing. Yeah, that too. Because I don't think he ever changed his mind. He and didn't. I actually think that was a good plot choice. Because he was so strong in his belief. And, like, I actually think that it was a really valid... Like, it was a really valid two-sided argument that they presented, I think. Even though, like, yes, this is Earth. (laughs) We're a little biased. Um, But they... The whole point is, like, if we do this, like, we'll be able to create even more planets of humans. Or not humans, I guess, but, like, whatever. Other living beings. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of the circle of life in a lot of ways. And that they can't understand that because they don't have a circle of life. Um, yeah, almost. yeah. Um, I don't know. So I thought, like, it was presented, like, really well. Like, obviously I was on the side of the ones wanting to save Earth. But I... Understandable. But I think that it was kind of refreshing to have, like, another side that was, like, so strong in its beliefs. Like, it was better than Civil War, where it's, like, who's on the other side of this, kind of? Like, who's rooting for Iron Man? I mean, I'm sure people are, but, like, realistically, like, who's rooting for, like, that side of things? No, they were... The Eternals were presented with the world's... The the world's... The trolley problem. Highest death count trolley problem ever. And... That's not an easy thing to approach. I don't care how old you are or how eternal you are. Um, Because these guys were... They were on Earth way too long to be impartial about it. Irishem should have known. He should have just taken them somewhere else and then been like, all right, now you're back. 
Just bring them in when they're needed. Well, they didn't need them. Why do they have to be there for the actual emergence? Just like in case any deviants. I think come that's up? what Erisham was like. You need to be here to ensure it happens or something like that, which obviously did not work out for him. Uh, Icarus was. I enjoyed his character, um, but man, it was frustrating and difficult to watch him be so on his own warpath to straight up murder, murder, <laughs> murder Ajax and lie to everybody about it. What a twist, though. Honestly, yeah. And that it's basically like Westworld, like that they are not real. Yeah, I like that a lot. I guess Cersei discovered that, right? Yeah. Because she was the one getting expositioned by Erisham. Yeah. Um, I also thought that when we have this reveal and everybody starts to figure out that Icarus killed Ajax and why, I was genuinely worried for the well-being of everybody in that room. Like, I thought that one of the less developed characters would have been killed. I was like, I don't know how many people of the new team that they're introducing they want to kill. You know, I kind of thought it would be Angelina Jolie because I didn't think that they she didn't would get her, her to come back. But hey, keep well, one yeah, of the... Yeah, and she was like, she was both the strongest and the weakest one of them because yeah. she was having all of these issues with like the memories. Want to talk about her next? Sure. I... Athena, Athena. Yeah. Ours is pretty straightforward, like, warrior. It's Angelina Jolie. I thought she would be, like, one of the most, like, characters with the most screen time. She had a lot of screen time, but they did not take her character in the direction that they thought they would. Again, very different portrayal in the trailer. Like, the whole... I forget what they called it. Mad Weary. Mad Weary. I... Again, it was, like, interesting because it was, like... It did have an impact, like, oh, this is a result of, like, your memories are taken from you after each emergence, and, like, hers are getting, like, muddied, so, like, that felt very realistic, I guess, but I didn't think it was going to continue throughout the whole movie. Like, I was kind of hoping that they resolved it, like, back in whatever BC, (laughs) and that it wasn't going to keep coming up. Yeah, I agree. I was... I, I, I think I liked the sentiment, like, behind it, like, even though these people are, like, so powerful and live beyond our comprehension that they can still, like, be kind of crushed under their own weight, despite, like, literal gods being the ones that are engineering them. But I really didn't like how they used the Mad Weary as a reason to kill my boy Gilgamesh. I just was like so frustrated watching it. I was like, this is not how I would have chosen this to go down, which I guess is the point. Like she, it can't be. She can't it's, help it's, him. They, nobody can control it. Like they can just kind of try to stop it. But it, by the, by like the third or fourth time it happened, uh, I was like, I'm tired of this. Yeah. Or that could have been like the internal conflict more like it could have been more with that or like maybe one of the others were also struggling with it. I think I would have preferred that they just have her like struggling with it mentally and not have it be like a deviant thing or have her turn on her teammates. I would just want her to be like really like it would just kind of put her like in a predicament when everyone kind of takes their sides. I guess because, like, she was supposed to be, like, so powerful, they had to, like, give her a handicap, kind of. Yeah, I guess so. 
I think they could have come. It was just kind of clunky, like the way that it just kind of happened, and then they like knew what it was, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Didn't like how they handled that too much. And like the whole like remember who you are, and them being like you'll be the same person, you just like won't remember. But it's also like they make this statement that like because they are whatever they are. I'm going to just say androids just for the sake of like not having another word More or less, it, yeah. That they don't evolve. Like they're... Yeah, they're... They don't change, I guess. And I feel like that's proven wrong. Except for like somebody like Icarus. He clearly doesn't evolve. And I would also say like Druig. I mean, some of them don't evolve, but I feel like the way that they care for each other, especially like... Gilgamesh and Athena, like that felt evolved, or or even how Fastus like changes. He's like, I want to help the humans. Oh, I can't. Like that's super frustrating. Now I have, and like that caused Hiroshima. Now I don't care about the humans, and then like, oh, I met this person, and like, I care again. Like that feels very like that person is evolving. Like they're changing how they see the world. Yeah. In different ways. So, like, I don't know what they mean, I guess, when they say, like, they don't... Their personalities don't evolve. Because I feel like that's what they were trying to say. Make it more Westworld. They all have their core drive. Right? Yeah. And their core drive is what the Eternals told them to do. But I guess... Some characters in Westworld feel like they have different mental approaches to how they handle their responsibilities. And some of them become self-aware... And choose to no longer abide by that core drive. Obviously, that is not really the same as what's happening here. Yeah, because the person that does is aware yeah. has not changed from their core drive. Yeah, which is very fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's also supposed to be like a testament to like them being on Earth. Like they, it doesn't sound like they've ever questioned an emergence before in these other planets. But they're so connected to the yeah the that like. Earth has changed them, or yeah, some of them. Yeah. Can I just say that living on Earth in the MCU was fucking suck. You can't go five years without some apocalyptic event. There's always new well, superheroes like falling out of years. the sky. There's still some shit happening during those 7,000 years, though. But yeah, it wasn't apocalypse level. They just can't catch a break. It's been so... They've not had enough time between everyone coming back from the snap in this happening. They're like, can I please Oh, you mean like the people of Earth. I thought you meant the Eternals. Oh, yeah, no, I mean the people of Earth. Oh, yeah. The ones that are just trying to go about their business. (laughs) I feel like the people that got snapped have it the best because they didn't, like, have to live through the trauma of it. (laughs) I mean, they're living through a different trauma, like, coming back and, like, their spouses remarried. Yeah, but they weren't weren't there. Their child is older than... These other ones, though, like, that is too much... There's, there's got to be a therapist shortage on Earth right now. <laughs> Who's up next? Well, should we talk about Athena's good pal, Gilgamesh? Yeah. Does that name have historical context? It sounds like a character from Shrek. Shrek could have thrown in Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh was a hero in ancient Mesopotamian mythology and the protagonist of the Epic of Gilgamesh, an epic poem written in Akkadian during the late 2nd millennium BC. So he was just kind of like a 
Super strong. He was, he was legendary. He comes to the aids of gods and goddesses and defeats giants. Um, so there are like a lot of legendary stories um, that were documented in Sumerian poems, and then they were woven into an inter- into a connected narrative in Babylonian times. Um, and in the epic, this guy is a demigod of superhuman strength. Checks out. And just goes on many journeys. So this guy is just like a, yeah, super strong adventurer. That's pretty much all there is to it. It, he's so delightful. It makes sense why they killed him because it was like, this guy's too good to be true, kind of. Like, he's cooking pies. He's making his own beer. Like, he's taking care of Thena. Like, he's just, like, all around yeah. best character. And, like, why you got to give us nice things and take them away, you know? It's really sad. He was so great. He was also, like, what brought levity and comedy to this movie because there wasn't a lot of that. It was a very heavy movie. It was. And he was a definitely like a bright spot. And I'm very sad that he died, but I guess it got a, the right kind of emotion out of me for someone dying in a movie like this. Like, I was genuinely sad and frustrated because Thena didn't do shit. What do you think about the... Uh, we didn't really say this at the end. So we don't get to see Gilgamesh, like, deal with what um, Cersei finds out. But we, Dina chooses the side of Earth, basically, which I think is kind of surprising. But I guess she's more angry about this whole memory thing. That's, yeah. like, more of her motivation. Vengeance against the Celestials, not so much sympathy for humans. Because they have very much chosen to live not part of humans. Yeah, they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, um, same with Ajax. I do think Gilgamesh would have done the same thing, though. It just... I would just kind of find it... We don't know much about, like, his motivations, I don't think. Uh, he's, like, one of the ones that we get a little less of in that regard. But his character just informs me that he wouldn't be, like, cow... Well, maybe he would go Kingo's route, you know? Like, I'm not going to go against it, but I'm also not going to, like, join this and just peace out. I don't think he would have peaced out. I think he would have fought. For... Humans? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. I think he has an appreciation for humans. I think he does, too. And I miss him. I'll be very sad uh, if they continue making these movies and he's not there. Because also, I feel like his primary motivation is to... Well, obviously, it's like to care for Athena, but also, I feel like he's... He's looking... He's everyone's protector. Like, the Eternals' protector. He's the big brother. Yeah. And so he would be protecting them again, Yeah, I think. Part of the reason why I'm sad about him dying is also because I don't get to see his powers again. And I really liked him. His, like, fist. He just punched everything. And it made a very satisfying noise whenever he did that to a deviant. And it was great. What about um, Kumail? Kingo. Uh, He also brought some levity. Probably the funniest character Along with uh, his manager, valet, great guy. And surprisingly delivered, like, one of the best, like, emotional moments, in my opinion. They they let this guy, who is, like, the comedic relief side character, like, actually speak to the the Eternals and be, like, 
thank you for everything like, you've done. And it's they don't undercut it with a joke, even though it's like the comic relief guy, and it's like very like sincere, and they don't. There's nothing like witty. They're just like because he's hey. honestly the only human that knows what they've done. Yeah, and knows what's going to happen. Yeah, and he's like, okay, well we're all gonna go die, so I'm gonna like go do what I gotta do. And no, just, he's like, no, I'm gonna stay. Well, I'm gonna stay with Kumail. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just thought that was very nice because like they didn't need to do that. It could have just been played off as a joke because they had like other fish to fry. But I don't like what he did Kumail. by leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't I also feel like he's the character besides Cersei that embraced human culture more than anyone else. Maybe even more than her. And for him to be like I still think like we sh- like Icarus is right is very odd. So, on one hand, we don't know enough about his stance on this. We know that he's also in love with Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, like, one way I could see this, like, justifying, because I agree with you, but if I had to be, like, here's why it makes sense, is just because, like, the way that he has approached life on Earth by, like, gaming people, more or less, into, like, having this life of fame and luxury, even though he doesn't need it. Like, I do think he cares about humans, but he's also, like, I'm just here for a good time, and I'm not really emotionally invested like, like I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. Right. And I, th- I think it's kind of a cop out, but in some way that makes sense to me for like when it comes down to like a hard choice, he just kind of like walks away and is like, well, you guys do what you're going to do. I don't know. I didn't really like it. I I'm didn't... not sold on it either. I'm also not, again, sold on like what Sprite and him are seen in Icarus. I mean, other than, like, I guess he's supposed to be, like, the strongest of all of them, even stronger than Gilgamesh, because he has the most powers. He's he's strong. He can do this, like, eye thingy, and he can fly. Right. And so they just are in awe of him? I guess. Yeah, it, that that's a pretty big flaw. For multiple, like, how multiple characters are connected to him. Like, he's a dick. Yeah. Even, like, before we know he's a dick, he's a dick. I did not... The sprite thing, I don't... That felt contrived. don't buy it at all. That was not... That did not land Her other stuff, which we'll get to her character, but her other stuff was very much more realistic than her being in love with him. I really could have done without that for her character. I think it would have been way better... If she had, like, all these conflicting feelings because of how humanity has treated her. Yeah. Um, yeah, she should have still just, gone with him, but for different reasons. It's just not what, yeah, I didn't like that too It's much. also, like, not like we ever saw him respecting her in the way that she wanted to be respected. Even, like, they barely interacted. Yeah. Like, I don't... Uh, there was a lot of romance in this movie that we were being told that they have a history and they have these these interactions which led them to have... Well, I think we saw everyone else's, except for that. Yeah, yeah. Because we saw Cersei and Yeah, we did. We did. I think this is by far the worst offender. So should we talk about Sprite? Yeah. Sprite is a pretty fascinating character. So she's like, looks like a child. Yep. And is struggling with that. Obviously. But her power is like illusions, basically. Yeah. Yeah, she has a really cool power set. Um, but like, they're not, you can, you can't touch them. Yeah. 
So her motivation is, one, that allegedly she's in love with Icarus, and two, that she rejects this, like, human form that she's in. And when she finds out, like, they kind of reset, she's like, no, I, I want a new opportunity, basically. Like, yeah. why was I made like this? It's just, like, it, it is so unfair. It could also be, like, you you have to wonder, like, we were talking about, like, why Arishem, like, made them the way that they are. So, like, you have Sprite looking like a child for, like, I guess, like, maybe if you want to put it, like, for canon reasons, like, Arishem thought it would be, like, a good way to, like, not stand out or, like, infiltrate, but that shouldn't matter. And then it's, like, was there a tactical reason behind Makari being deaf? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I love that, but, like, what you were talking about earlier is just, like, you know, they are... Like, yeah, is there a story Machines created by gods. I would, I would love to know. But I, I think um, if they had focused less on the supposed love with Icarus and more on, like, the I don't want to stay here with humanity because they'll never treat me like I am because of how I look is way more of, like, a compelling um, character arc than what we got. For sure. Anything else on Sprite? Well, like, so she kind of, it sounds like, bounces around to, like, the different people throughout Millennium. Um, she was with Ajak for a while, and then Ajak told her to go to Cersei. Cersei, which is interesting, because I guess that's when Icarus leaves her, which that, let's talk about that. We kind of skipped over that, so... At some point in the last, like, I think it's like 2,000 years. Well, they it's been 500 years since they, they broke up 500 years ago. I thought it was longer, too. Oh. But in the movie, they do say the last deviant that they killed was in the 1500s, and then they kind of drifted apart. And he leaves her at that point. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're together for a little bit of that. Right? And then that's when... Ajax tells him the truth, and then he's like, I couldn't be with her and not tell her. It just said, uh, Wikipedia, which, you know, it, after Cersei was left by her partner Icarus over 500 years earlier, that's all we get. So. Yeah, okay. Either way, been a while. All right, that makes more sense, because they keep saying, like, 7,000 years, blah, 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 and I'm like, which, what was 7,000 years? I think that's how long they've been on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, so Sprite, um goes to stay with Cersei. Cersei after that at some point in definite amount of time and she's not there when Ajax dies but she I guess forgives Icarus for killing Ajax when we see her being like very broken by that. Yeah I just I'm like really like that's you're gonna forgive that easily i don't i'm shocked i mean it seems like she was so close with all of them like you wouldn't just let that go i don't care how much you love this person and then you know for for all of her trouble she gets to deliver a speech and then get knocked out with a rock yeah druig's finest hour i think the other thing i wanted to say about icarus just thinking about this was i do think like richard madden did a really good job of like showing how broken hearted he was that he he felt like he had to do the things that he did like in his book he is the hero yeah and that reluctant yeah. yeah that and that he like the scene where he brings back selma hayek and is in like 
he's like devastated by what's happened but like i think that was really again really interesting and i to reuse the word compelling like it's i think they did a really good job with that and i think he specifically did a really good job with it because we could have just like hated him straight up which i think we do for the most part but i think you can really tell that he felt he still felt things about it yeah i guess yeah i mean no it was even though I was like, you are such a dick, I still was like, wow, like, yeah, you really think you're right. Like, he was steadfast in his beliefs for what for whatever that's worth. So there's not much to say about... Makari? Makari. She's really fast. It's the first deaf character we've had in the... First MC. deaf character, and it was really cool how it was just, like, seamless subtitles. Everybody just knows... ASL or and she can read lips and yeah, vibrations just and stuff. really cool like I, I love that it's just because like, they don't all sign to her yeah yeah I think true. that's important like Druig does and somebody else did yeah but like most people just like um, Kumail's character just talks like because yeah. he doesn't care enough I feel like to sign <laughs> and she like can understand it so it's like not right. that big of a deal but I do think it's important to note like who is signing to her I yeah. guess I think these are all just, like, clues of their characters. I think you're right. Um, I really liked the actress playing this character. Uh, I know that she was also on The Walking Dead. She was really, really funny. Really that. Yeah. Just, like, has so much personality. Yeah, I'm sad we didn't get more of her. I mean, I don't know what they were going to do. Like, I, And I think they needed somebody that was, like, yeah, I'm just, like, ready to go. But then she was also, like, fine to support... The humans, for the most part. Yeah. I just... I realized the scene where we're in the forest or in the jungle when they're trying to recruit Druig and they're, like, having a fight where everybody's there. I was like, where's Makari? I was like, I want the speedster. Her powers are so cool. And the way that they shoot her powers, like, when even in the beginning when they're fighting the Deviants and at the end when she's fighting Icarus. So cool. Because it's not, like, slow-mo of her. Which I feel like is really common for yeah. characters like this. It's just like, no. They're like, go find where the emergence is starting. She's gone. And she is there instantly. Yeah. It's not like the Flash. I feel like it was just, as far as the character goes, when they determined like the inter-eternals relationships, she was kind of like left as one of the ones without like a historical romance. You know? And I like what they did with her and Druid, but it was... They just like, couldn't find a way to slot her in while all this other drama was happening. I mean, I was fine with it, kind of that romance being like in the background and just like a fun thing. And they were all like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, I thought that was funny and I didn't need. Yeah, more I, I guess it was that. fine where it was. But I was also like, damn, like she was just on the ship the entire time. Yeah. Reading books. I, I didn't really get what her motivation was. I mean, I, it also could have been like she's feeling rejected from like humanity. Yeah, but we don't know. Um, <laughs> we don't get enough. And despite that, though, great character, and I hope that when these characters come back, we get some more development on her. Should we talk about Pat? What is it? Pat? Fastos? Fastos. Yeah, let's do Fastos. Which I feel like her name should have been Fastos. Get it? Because, like, fast. <laughs> I Oh, we didn't really talk about her name. Makari? Let's see. Yeah, because I can't tell you at all. I wonder what that is based off of. Or did we talk about Kumail's name? 
forget what his name is? No, we didn't. Uh, maybe let's circle back. Makari, I'll, I'll do Makari first. Uh, Makari in the comics was a guy. So they, they gender swapped the character for the movie. Uh, it looked like, so similar to some other characters that I've seen, introduced as characters in the Eternals. Just like this is a person in the Marvel Universe with no connection to anything else. And it was retconned. And this happened with a couple of the other Eternals so that the character was presented as a mythological god. And this one is Mercury. Oh, uh, okay. Mercury. And, Fine. Uh, <laughs> Mercury, who is a major god in Roman religion and mythology, is the god of financial gain. Weird. And trickery, luck, and is also the guide of souls to the underworld. So None of that. Not a lot in common. <laughs> I was going to say, like, one story reason for her being deaf could literally be, like, because she travels, like, at the speed of whatever. Like, it could, I guess, like, affect yeah. her, her hearing. Like, if they wanted to shoehorn that in, they could have. Not that she necessarily needs a reason, but, like, if they were kind of giving explanations. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like... I don't, I don't know why. Let me see. I feel like you would bust your eardrums if you were traveling that fast, you know? Yeah, I think you would. <laughs> it looks like there were like some comics that kind of adapted some story elements from the movie or at least explaining like why some of them are the way that they are. And in this comic, it says something about Ajax reveals that Makari signs as she lost her speech hearing and ability to broadcast telepathically to her fellow eternals following an attempt to reach like communicate with a dead god huh. oh we didn't get that <laughs> yeah it would have been a bit much <laughs> i don't think kingo has a name that is really drawn from anything i think this is purely an eternals character what about fastest um, I don't see anything on Wikipedia about Fastos's name, so I'm not sure what uh, mythology or god he's been drawn from. But he Another was... first for the MCU. Yeah. Like... First gay character, which I was seeing all the articles and like Angelina Jolie like had a statement about like all of these countries that were like banning the movie, and I was like, why are they banning it? <laughs> and I was reading, and it was like, about like the first gay character, and I was like, there was a gay character. Like, it was so part of, like, the story. Like, it, it, I didn't even blink an eye at it that I didn't even realize, like, the significance of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's movie. just, it's so natural. And, like, I love that I'm so tired of movies that are like, yeah, this character's gay. Like, Endgame had that. Like, one of the directors played a character who, like, talks about, like, his oh, husband. Oh, their husband, But it's yeah. like, you know, it's not, you know, they talk about it. But this was like, okay, like, we're actually, like, walking the walk here. Like, don't shy away from it. Just, like, have it be a part of the story. And it just, yeah, it's not even like that. It's not like, okay, we're making a statement here. It's just like, yeah. no, like. Just very normal. It's what it is. And I really like the, I, I feel like his, his relationship with his husband and his son was just, like, so nice. And it was just, like. It was refreshing. The most, like, normal life that any of them are leading. He's just like, I just want to use my powers to fix my kid's bike. Yeah. And, like, the motivation was so clear for him, like, why he was doing this. Um, and I think it was interesting. That was one thing that they told us and showed us, like, a tiny bit, but, like, 
I think was fine how they did it about him and his like loss of hope in humanity. And I think he's kind of similar to Druig in a lot of ways to be like, I have this power to change humanity and I can only do it in these small increments. And same thing with Druig. It was like, I have the power to like significantly change humanity, but I have to do it in like tiny moments. And even then like it leads him like, it leads him down a path that, like, even if, you know, he was trying, like, to, you know, as the other Eternals were being, like, this is too much, like, take it slower, it still got them to a point where it was just, like, well, like, I did, like, all this to try to, like, uplift them, and yeah, they ended up, like, killing so many of their own people, like, why would I continue? And I think that they ended up in the same place, like, somewhat isolated from society, like, I think that fastest even though he's like married and has a child like I still get the impression that he's like not really fully immersed in society and they both have lost faith in Ajax yeah yeah no he had a he had a very interesting relationship to humanity and I would have liked more time with him I mean we got time with his family which we didn't get obviously for anyone else um but I, I would have liked, like, a spinoff, really, for him. Because I think he is the most, not necessarily the most interesting power, but the most interesting power that, like, affects him and Druig again. Like, that you could see them throughout history, like, not fighting deviants, but just, like, living their life, kind of. Yeah. And, like, I think, I mean, Fastos really gets to, like, flex, like, his fighting muscles. Like, he's very capable but it's also like not. I mean, kind of. He is able to like tie down Icarus, but like, like single handedly, like but no not way. handedly. Like it's not like he's using. Well, like that's his power. Yeah, I know. It's just it's so. Just I think different. he's super strong, but it's he's not played as like yeah. the the muscle of the team, but he is. And like I feel like but it's not his, his muscles, but like, it's what he can do. Yeah, but it's like I'm just not, different than Gilgamesh. I'm not saying that, but his powers are incredibly strong. Yeah. Even though he's not physically strong, I guess. Um, and I also feel like, just based on, like, you could play his character and, like, his powers is, like, kind of a joke. It's like, I build stuff. But, like, no, that's so... He could have, without, like, other Eternals being like, mm, no, like, this might be a bit too fast of a step for them. Like, there's a... Uh, I've been playing a lot of Mass Effect. I know I've talked about this. There's a race of aliens in Mass Effect who take it upon themselves to be, like, guide, uh, like guiding lights for other races that they deem as, like, needing help. And one of them, they introduce them to a lot of, like, new energy and new technology and new resources. And they went from, like, primitive living to building a nuclear bomb in, like, 200 years, and then they wiped their entire planet out because they just built nukes and didn't know what to do with them. And they were like, well, we went too hard, too fast. they didn't develop their conflict resolution skills. No conflict resolution skills. No, not at all. Um, So I was like, you know, it's it's a complicated thing to try to... The other thing that I think is frustrating and annoying is, like, who is deciding what's the right pace like, I guess it's Ajax, but, like, they're kind of, like, self-imposing um, on whatever. Like, they're putting it on themselves, like, oh, we should do this or we shouldn't do this. Like, yeah. Like, 
you see um, Cersei like doing the water on like the plants and like no one's saying like oh you really shouldn't do that because like they need to learn how to like they need to learn how to make irrigation systems for <laughs> their farmland yeah but like is it supposed to be kind of innate in themselves that they know when to do certain things like you I know yeah i don't know like it just seems so arbitrary yeah because like airship's not giving them like step-by-step guidelines here it's just kind of i don't know yeah, he seems like a horrible team captain. Oh, he definitely is. So the last character is Druig, who we've like mentioned a bunch, but yeah. Uh, similarly, I don't know if he's based on anything, but this guy is definitely like the odd one out. Like Icarus is not nice, really. Like maybe like kind of cold or just stoic, but Druig is like an active dick to yeah. everybody else on the team. I think Thena and Icarus this. are kind of similar in that they're like there for the fight, right? But, like, Druig is, like, very, like, very, like, mean human in his interactions with the other Eternals, like, especially when they come back and find him. Like, yeah, he's also, like, he's just like he taunts, mistreating all of those people. Yeah, like, it's he's really been fucked up. He's for hundreds of years. He's, like, taunting the other Eternals. But for all it's worth, like, I definitely thought that he was going to be, like, the main villain. Just because, like, in the trailers, you know, this guy looks very threatening like yes. he just looks like an evil guy so i was like oh he's like he's not gonna be good it looks like he's like leading a cult or something which he was but i was very happy to see him come around because he's just like you know he has a lot of complicated feelings about what he has and has not been able to do to help humanity and i think um that manifesting and being mad at the rest of the eternals who are the ones that keep telling him when they're watching a war occur and like a genocide, people being slaughtered and they're telling him to not do anything. And he's like, why? Like, I don't know this Erishem guy. Like, why should I not do it? Like, why are you, like, I thought you had a good head on your shoulders. Why are you telling me to not stop this from happening? I think I just, I wouldn't, you know, mind control people and live in the jungle, but I sympathize with him. What do you think his motivation is? I don't know. Because he's clearly chosen to still be around humanity but like again isolated like from like a greater population he's wants to clearly use his power yeah but at the end like i don't know where he lands on humanity like I think he kind of is seeing himself as a god and, like, they can't live without me and what I can do for them. I think that's a bit of what it is. And I think maybe he, like, he knows, he does think that. He also knows that that's not a good thing to think. So, like, in almost a compromise with himself, he has this group of people that he's like, I can control these people. And I'm going to take them far away from everybody else so I can just, like, have this my corner little of the world. experiment, yeah. kind of. And, like, I can use my power, which I want, and I can exert control over humans so they're not fighting each other, which is also what I want. And I think he's doing good for the Earth. Like, he's taking care of this part of the world that is not well taken care of and is being exploited. Even though he's exploiting people, he has an issue with exploitation. It, so- it sounded like, maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into it, but... Um, I think he is, like, the most, like, complicated about his relationship with humans. Yeah. Because it, it seems like it conflicts with itself, but for me, it, like, works. Like, he 
clearly cares, but like to what end? Does he care because of himself or does does he genuinely care about yeah. the well-being of humanity? I think by the end he's like, well, this is like how they how, this is how they are. And, and he, he even understands that. that like they need to learn on their own. Right. Like he says that. Which yeah. is what they were trying to tell him from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Just takes a couple thousand years to learn a lesson sometimes. It's okay, Druid. Okay, so that's all of the characters, unless you want to talk about Irish, but I don't think so. No, the... Oh, or Ajak. We didn't talk about Ajak. Okay. I kind of forgot about Ajak. Um, Salma Hayek. Yeah, uh, Salma Hayek. Got Oldest a lot of, got a lot of time superhero, in the I think. Totally billed as, like, a big player, which she was, and I'm... I've we, I've talked to Molly about how like I didn't like the handling of it. I think I've kind of like mentally come around on it. I think at the end of the day, it's mostly just because I want more Salma Hayek in the MCU. But what were you saying was like your criticism of it? Um, I did not like that the beginning of this movie is presented as we see Ajax for a bit in the past. We come forward. Oh no, Ajax is dead. I guess a deviant killed Ajax. The deviants are back, and. They go around to find, like, all of their eternal friends who they had not seen in hundreds of years. And they're there to really be like, well, the deviants are back. But also so much of the emotional weight is not so much we didn't kill all the deviants, but Ajax is dead. Yeah, the way they get everyone on board is by saying And we do get more Ajax after this. And we get, like, some more character moments with her in flashbacks. But at the time, early in the movie, I'm like, I don't know enough about you don't have an emotional for, connection. Like, like, yeah, it's like, I know that she's the leader. And I know that these people, like, care about her and knew her for a long time. But also, like, it has so much less weight to me. Because we haven't seen, like, all these moments that she's had yet. Um, and, like, it, we do get more of her. It's just, like, I don't... I was like, why do I Why do I care that, that they are, like, distraught? Like, okay, I, we met her for... 15, 20 minutes, and now she's dead. See, I felt like I knew exactly who she was and who she was to all of them. Yeah, I mean, the I wasn't doubting that either. It was just like something, I don't know. It seemed like it was too early for her death to be used as a plot device. It made more sense in retrospect with the twist. But yeah. I think I would just, you know, there, I don't think you could have done it any other way without the twist. So there's that. I think they handled, like, this twist thing really well because... There's the first twist where we find out that they're... It's like Westworld. We first get the Westworld twist. Yeah. Um, and then the second twist is that Icarus killed Ajax. Right. And is still fulfilling his mission. And that Ajax changed course. Right. Um, even though she like knew all along. Um, so I think that's all very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that was good, but that's why that was kind of what I was saying in the beginning. Like this, it loses its rewatchability for that reason. I, I agree. Think. I agree. I mean, I, I obviously want to see it again, like knowing all of that, but I still like, I do too, but I don't think there's going to be a lot that changes because there's so little of it. Like, of course, like there's interactions with Icarus, but it's, they're not talking about her the entire movie. It's, it's 10 people's origin story. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, they had their hands full. Um, should we talk about the two post-cred scenes? Yeah. We yeah. get two more characters. Well, one character we got earlier in the movie, but... Pretty, pretty juicy the, scenes What's here. his name? Dean? 
Kit Harrington. Dane. Dane. Dane Whitman. I know that's the second post-credit scene, but let's talk about him first since we already know who he is. Yeah. So Dane Thomas Thompson? Kind of a boring name. What is it? <laughs> Dane Whitman. I just said it. Oh, it's sorry. that it's that forgettable. <laughs> I know. Um, but so, apparently he has ancestors. So he pops up at the end of the movie. Not a, not in the post-credit scene, but before we get this terrifying image of Arisham being like Yo, what the fuck? And actually You're coming showing with up me. At, at Earth, scaring the living hell out of everybody there. Uh, Which are we gonna see that in another Avengers movie? I hope so. They're like, uh, like some they're like gearing up to fight, and then he's gone. Um, because that was like crazy. Because we only ever see Arishem like on this plane of existence when the Eternals are speaking to him. The sense of scale is there because they're floating. In yeah, front of him. But, like, when he's standing over Earth, like, he could just punch Earth in half right now. Well, yeah, I mean, we see part of the emergence, and it's, like, somebody that looks just like Arishan. Yeah. And it's, like... And then he comes there to be, like, you've made your choice, and now I'll let the future, like, judge you for me, basically. Like, I'll be back. And then leaves through a black hole. But with them. They with don't the, return. Yeah, he steals them. I don't, like... People on Earth are going to be like, um, guys, like, can we not do also, this? Also, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, insane. Um, and he he hints to Cersei before she gets abducted that he has a quote-unquote complicated family history. Also, on that, does Sprite get left behind because she's a human now? And if so, will she be the person that explains Probably. to Everybody whomever else? what's yeah, going on? No, I think on. Sprite is still there. Because I saw Kumail. Yep. Even though he like abstained. He was, he was gone. But yeah, no, I think I think everybody else got grabbed up. But yeah, Sprite's not eternal anymore. And Sprite and Kumail's valet. Yeah. No, he, the ones he, he, he and Sprite everything. have to document stuff. Pretty crazy. And so we get a the second post-credit scene concerns his character. He's in an office and he has a box that has an old sword in it. I thought it was going to be another set of 10 rings. I was like, are we getting more 10 rings? That would have been pretty crazy. Are there 20 rings? Dane Whitman is the Iron Fist. Oh, God. Um, no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. This is a sword known as the Ebony Blade. A historical, magical sword. Something about death. Uh, yeah. It's... It seems kind of evil. Um, the Marvel Wikipedia says it was forged by Merlin and it was enchanted to cut through any object, prevent the death of its wielder, and deflect any magic, but also carried a curse that would slowly corrupt any user and cause a lust for violence, bloodshed, and death. That could have been helpful in Infinity War. A little bit. Yeah. It's too bad he only uh, did his 23andMe test in, in this movie. We also hear a disembodied voice that and I think is Nick Fury. Oh, I just got some confirmation on who this is. Was I wrong? From a Variety interview that came out yesterday. And I don't think you would guess who this actually is. Well, I already made my guess. Because it's a character that we have not met yet. Oh, uh, well, of course not. Which I saw people guessing, and I definitely thought that they were wrong. Wait, who did you think it was? I wasn't sure. I didn't really have a guess. I was like, I don't know who this could possibly be. I don't recognize this voice. And when you said Fury, I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Because this seems like a Fury moment. But then why wouldn't they just show him unless they couldn't get Samuel L. Jackson? Right. 
But no, Kit Harrington has confirmed that it is Mahershala Ali who is playing Blade. Oh. And it is Blade. But is the sword Blade? Part no, of Blade? <laughs> no. Well, I don't know how this is going to work, but um, Kit Harrington said that he knew that someone was saying this line because it was in the script that I got, but he only found out that it was Mahershala Ali's voice three weeks ago. Is he allowed to say? I guess God, so. I certainly hope so. He would, he's good at keeping secrets because he did Game of Thrones. Yeah. He hasn't said anything else about the character or about the future. Honestly, I'm very glad that he's coming back as something because it was like such a letdown when I was like, oh, he's just like a mortal boyfriend. Like what? Like I didn't know. I thought he was on an Eternal or whatever yeah. in the trailers. And so I'm really glad that... Um, He's, There's a he's future. getting something. Because I love Kit Harrington. He, he's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Because he's also written. clearly a sweet boy. And I love yeah, sweet, sweet boy, boy Kit Harrington. He was like, nobody's told me anything. Nothing's written. He's like, it's funny doing these interviews because I sell, I tell people this. And they're like, no, you're lying. Like, you know. And he's like, no, I actually don't know. Which, you know, he could be lying. But also, the Blade movie is nowhere near even starting production. So, like, I don't know what the plan is. Yeah, but he might show up in something else before, like, as his intro, which would be good, honestly. Then you don't have to do a whole Blade, like, intro. I'm sure he'll be back, like, before that. The only other clue we get, which I... That's why I thought it was going to be connected to Shang-Chi somehow, is because she gives him something from the Middle Ages that's his family crest. And he's like, oh, this is from the Middle Ages. And she's like, it's your family crest. Or something, I don't know, a conversation goes something like that. So that was the only other hint we get, but that that could still be anything. Like, this doesn't really mean anything. Okay, so then the other, the first post credit scene is we get kind of a Guardian-style introduction to none other than Harry Styles. As Eros. Another Eternal. Also known as Star Fox. Apparently. So, like, Star-Lord. I guess. And he's got, like, a Rocket-style sidekick. Pip the Troll, voiced by Patton Oswalt. That seems right. Didn't... I I shared this opinion. I thought the uh, the CGI on Pip the Troll did not seem that great. No. It, it's... I was like... The rest of this movie, I was like, great. And I was like, yo, what the fuck happened, guys? Also, good for Patton Oswalt. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah. Eternal brother of thanos i heard him say that but i was like is this like a joke no it's it's serious his comic backstory is he is thanos's brother so does that mean thanos is an eternal that doesn't make any sense i don't know well thanos was in the comics like the i think the backstory is all over the place has been changed a couple times in some things like thanos is a deviant or like has like a deviant gene or something I don't know if they'll ever get into this or if it's just going to kind of be like a throwaway line because obviously Thanos is gone. But if he comes to Earth and he's like, I'm Thanos' brother, people are going to have some shit to say. Um, which the he gets onto the ship where there are, what? They're going Bina, to find... Druig, and... Makari. Makari are looking for other Eternals. And he like... Thor light years onto yeah. 
their yeah, ship. Yeah, it does. It looks like the Bifrost. I thought it was yeah. going to be Thor or a Thor character. So that's interesting. I don't know how I feel about Harry Styles, but... Uh, Chloe Zhao says that she's been following his acting career, um, which has not been going on for that long. First movie he was in was Dunkirk. I was going to say he was in that war movie. Um... But, oh, so uh, this was her choice? It wasn't, like, a predetermined Marvel thing? Uh, yeah, I think this was... Maybe they wanted... Um, well, so Chloe Zhao said that she pitched introducing Iris and Pip um, to Kevin Feige and wanted to do it in a mid credit scene and already had Harry Styles in mind for it. Interesting. Yeah. She thought that, uh... The Harry Styles was a perfect fit because of his gender-bending music persona as an omnisexual object of desire, because Eros's powers are to stimulate and control the emotions of others. Gotcha. And like, he's kind of like a low-key yeah. type, I guess. I think he could be a very popular character for I think Marvel. so, too, and I think he's going to bring some levity that we desperately need to the Eternals, because it was, it was just so heavy. Yeah, I think that as these characters keep coming back, it'll be more crossover-heavy, and yeah. it's, it, it's not going to have this Now that they're, anymore. like, kind of broken up, but, like, in a better way, not, like, broken up, like... Yeah, they're just, up. like, independent, not, like, mad at each other. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think they needed this movie to bring, obviously, to introduce them, but I, I do think, like, especially in discussing it, a little bit let down by the movie, but I, I don't think... It could meet expectations. No. And I, I do think, um, and I, I've, Still I've read this other places, um, the way that Marvel chose to market this movie also, like, really yeah. hurt. Because they were like, this is revolutionary. This is never, we're doing stuff that's never been done before. No, you just, like, did a diverse cast. Like, that's what's never been yeah, done before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Academy winning director, which, which obviously, that, like, yes, that crazy. showed up. But so. they they hyped it up so much. If they had just approached it like, hey, it's Eternals, Marvel movie, like, it's cool, like they did for Black Widow, like they did for Shang-Chi, it's like, people know what to expect. But when you start hyping it up as something on another tier, and people also, are going like to show up expecting that. It's a star studded cast. Right. Like, I don't know if that benefited it or not. Like, I, I liked it, all of the people. Like, I don't think there was a weak. No. acting moment i don't think so either but i i think it was the amount of stuff that they added it started to get to diminishing returns where it was like starting to um like crumble under its own weight and when you have a movie that's two hours and 40 minutes long and it's still like wow there's a lot of shit like yeah. the other long marvel movies have been culminations of other things they didn't have to introduce a cast of characters this was like a experiment for them. And I think if they try to do something like this again, they'll have learned from their experience here. Yeah, I mean, they, there's no way to do it, though. No. Unless, like, there was less conflict, I guess, which was what we were kind of saying with, like, getting rid of the deviants. Right. But out of that two hours, 40 minutes-ish, what was your favorite scene in Eternals? I think the when they're in Druig's camp. Yeah. That whole sequence. That was really good. We get to see a lot of powers being flexed, and we get, like, the interpersonal stuff at the same time. Yeah. I think my pick is the final scene um, with Cersei trying to stop the emergence while they're fighting Icarus on the beach. I, like, felt very much like, I'm buying the stakes of this right now, 
Because, like, I don't know what they're doing with this movie. This could go a lot of different ways. Icarus was, like, a real threat and, like, had them on the ropes. I really just enjoyed everyone using their powers to the max. Sprite getting, like, this little moment. Druid getting a little moment. Because he's like, I can't really fight anybody, so I'm going to hit you in the head with a rock. Which is a very human thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I loved it. I thought it was a, a strong end. And which power this is a good one to say which this power is a would you great want? one oh boy a lot of a lot of options here huh so we can have you can self-heal self-heal fly and have laser, shoot lasers under your eyes and um, be strong and be strong you can just you, be you strong can ju- <laughs> just but be like strong. really strong you can build stuff and have like a genius mind you, you can, can run really fast make a sword and spear spear and shield uh yeah. with your powers you can shoot finger guns pew, oh, yeah, pew. i forgot about his you can control minds do we already say that no you can create illusions and you can change matter yeah shit i know which one i'm doing and F- fastest or whatever yeah i actually thought about that too because that is by far the most practical and just like he had a he had a barrier around his house. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh yes, of course, please. I don't need a security system. But I guess the problem with his and Driggs is like you have the weight of your power right. of the world. Right. But uh <laughs> my second know, one would be supersedes. Maybe if you just have the power and you're not like you don't have the job of an eternal, you're a little bit better off because you can actually just use it to like fix your bike. Yeah. My second um, one would be supersedes. Oh, and self healing, that's the other one. Yeah, I think he said that. I think he said that. Um, damn. Fastos is really good, and I also want to pick Fastos, but let me try to come up with like my a close second. You should have said it first. I should have. But a close second for me would be Icarus. Fuck it. I want to fly. If I can't build stuff, I will fly. Everything else is cool. I do not need Gilgamesh's powers. I don't need to make illusions of myself. Like... A lot of these are very, like, good for fighting and adventurous stuff. But in terms of practicality, I can save gas money and fly. So I will take that. Oh, and we did we say super speed? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Well, I think I said go fast. Yeah. But uh, that one's cool, but I think I would slam into stuff. I'd rather fly. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. So this episode matches the length of the movie. Uh-huh. This uh, might be our longest episode, right? Yeah, so I hope you stayed with us. And if you did, it means you really liked us and you're going to leave us a five-star review. Please. And uh, please also let us know what you thought of this. Um, Never seen a Marvel movie this polarizing. And if any of you guys, I'm curious to hear from people that are like diehard Marvel fans, but didn't love this. I I want to know why. And if you did love it, I also want to know why, because I'm fascinated by this. Tell us. Yeah, hit us up. All right. And until next time, we we are are out of the superverse. superverse.